Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the, the U.S. US. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. This hour, we'll hear the incredible story of Big Sarge. Big Sarge, love your service, love what you got to do, but we really don't need an old guy like you to come back. And, uh, so as I'm walking out, the uh, recruiter for the National Guard says, Hey, have you ever thought about joining the dark side? So, <laughs> And we'll learn that even when we're at our lowest. Everybody was taking pingles, especially in a guard unit. And it wasn't until afterwards they finally took an MRI and they're like, Oh, crap, you've got broken bones in your neck. Oh, you've got fractures in your spine. Oh, you had a brain bleed. There's still someone who will pick us up. And I screamed at the top of my lungs at her. And then she slowly walked to me. And she puts her hand on my face. And said, Dad, what's the matter? You're not you. My heart broke into a million pieces. And I'm like, what am I doing? That's ahead on this hour of CBS Eye on Veterans. Well, there was no getting away from it in the country this week. A historic election went down, and uh, we're going to start today's show off by looking at the role some veterans have played in this year's election. I recently spoke with Will Fisher from VoteVets.org, an organization that backs Democratic candidates, about the veterans who ran. Will, how are you? I'm very well, Phil. Thank you. As we are recording this, full disclosure, it is not live, so some of what you're hearing may almost be outdated by the time it airs, but let's talk about what we do know. Um, There's a couple races that have been called, and some fine veterans have won. Um, Share with me some of those interesting storylines. Yes, so pretty much everybody that um, was an incumbent and vote vets endorsed 
who is running for re-election this cycle, uh, has won. Uh, we have picked up some new folks. I know we're very excited as of this recording. Mark Kelly has been declared the winner um, to be the next U.S. Senator from Arizona. You know, Vote Vets was uh, really involved in that race, and we're really excited to see Mark coming to Washington, joining up with Tammy Duckworth, uh, still being counted but feeling good about Gary Peters mm-hmm. and a host of other veterans, certainly in the House of Representatives. Again, at the time we recorded this, Mark Kelly had just been announced as the senator-elect, defeating fellow veteran Republican Martha McSally. McSally, a former Air Force A-10 pilot, initially served as an Arizona representative in the House in the same seat as Kelly's wife, Gabby Gifford. This race was also interesting because it was a race between two veteran pilots. Mark Kelly, a naval aviator, flew combat missions during the Gulf War before being selected as a NASA space shuttle pilot in 1996. It appears his next travels will take him to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Let's talk about uh, some other ones that are noteworthy just off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, as of this recording, uh, the most recent one, I think it happened about a half an hour ago, Elaine Luria, down in Virginia's 2nd Congressional District, was declared the winner of her race. Uh, And then across the board, you know, some of the, you know, real champions that uh, veterans and military families have uh, who are in House leadership, like Ted Lieu. I know his race has been called. He's been reelected. And then, you know, more than a dozen other veterans who we support who were running for reelection who have maintained their seat. Now, what are the big issues that your candidates will likely focus on? Yeah, I would say, you know, look, we have a lot of our folks who serve on the House Veterans Affairs Committee, uh, Armed Services Committee, and, you know, they're certainly aware of those issues and lead on those issues, you know, uh, whether they're veterans or, you know, previously folks with strong national security backgrounds like Alyssa Slotkin uh, and Andy Kim and some others who have really taken um, leading roles in having these conversations about issues like war powers reform, um, but also doing everything they can to prevent uh, VA privatization. But I think one of the things that's also unique about the veterans who serve uh, in the House and the Senate, and something also that as a Blue Star family, Joe Biden very much understands, is that the issues that are facing veterans and military families are the issues that are affecting everybody else. Because veterans, as you well know, are part of society just like everyone else. You know, the veteran community is overwhelmingly working class. And I don't know about your experience, but, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps or when I was in Iraq, you know, I wasn't there with any millionaires. I was there with other folks like me who, when we got out of the service, you know, we, uh, you know, went out there and were looking for opportunities to find not just a job, but a good job, uh, a career that uh, affords one the ability to live out a life with dignity and respect and, you know, really sort of realize that American dream that so many of us uh, served uh, to protect. I agree with you there wholeheartedly. Uh, The only kind of money I had when I was in the Navy was uh, beer money. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you didn't spend that by the thousand. I mean, that was by like, you know, the 10 and 20 and somebody else pitch in, man, I'm going to try to get a whole case. Uh, (laughs) That's exactly where I was at. I wonder, do you see embracing Biden's philosophy as being the creator of opportunities and jobs versus the typical Republican embracing of private industry and allowing the growth in the private sector to kind of manage itself as creating jobs through some deregulation? Well, I think that, you know, it's it's a combination of the two and it's where you can get those 
two ideologies to come together um, where you're going to be able to see, you know, uh, middle-class incomes increase. And, you know, I think that there is a direct correlation between when the disparity between, uh, or the gap, I should say, between, you know, the highest level of earners and the working class, you know, that was also at a time when union density was at its highest in this country, right? Certainly in the private sector. But at the same time, some of the largest employers of veterans in this country are, in fact, the government, right? Uh, you know, the U.S. Postal Service has nearly 100,000 veterans working there. I think that you know that if you walk into any Department of Veterans Affairs facility, very often the people you're going to meet there who are working there are also veterans. The Department of Interior uh, is a place where you have nearly 20% of the folks who work there are veterans, uh, you know, working as upland uh, firefighters or park rangers or working with the Bureau of Land Management. And these are folks who, uh, you know, Donald Trump likes to call the swamp, but at the same time, these are people who aren't the swamp. They are people who have elected to continue their service uh, after their military service, but working as uh, federal federal workers. As we looked ahead... I also recalled a time from the past, back in 2019, when Vote Vets, an organization that backs Democrats, actually worked alongside a group that traditionally supports more conservative candidates, and that's Concerned Veterans for America. So I wondered if we'd see another collaboration between them to address one of the most important issues affecting veterans right now, the effects of toxic exposures. Will the members of Congress backed by Vote Vets work with the members of Congress backed by Concerned Veterans for America? To finally get legislation passed that will ensure that veterans don't have to beg the VA for health care and benefits when they're dying from cancers that are clearly caused by these toxins. Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, you know, again, there's so much in the air right now where we're still watching to see, you know, uh, how this election is going to shake out. And, you know, we'll certainly uh, circle back on those issues. The only area where uh, VOTEBETS and CBA have really worked together in the past has been related to war powers reform and, and repealing, um, you know, like the 2001 AUMF and things of that nature. So can't really speak to that right now. I know that VOTEBETS has endorsed, you know, some legislation that uh, Senator Gillibrand has put forward and uh, some other pieces, and it's certainly a major issue uh, and one that we're keeping, you know, um, our eye on as well as like sort of the larger issues around the VA. Once the, all the votes are counted, we are confident that Joe Biden will win. And we certainly think that will be a good thing for veterans. Mr. Will Fisher, votevets.org. Always appreciate everything you're doing, illuminating the work that our veterans are doing as they run and seek office. And uh, hey, let's keep in touch, man. These votes aren't counted yet. Let's uh, uh, let's get together, you know, very soon and talk about how this all shakes out. Certainly. And I mean, look, you talk about like we're still counting votes, and that's certainly something that uh, Vote Bets is keeping our eye on and keeping, um, you know, going to be very vocal about is making sure that every vote counts. The veteran stories we hear make us proud to be Americans. We were doing convoy security on the road for 48 hours. But the stories we don't reflect the wounds that Wounded Warrior Project is there to heal. We're coming really close to the base, and there was an explosion. He hit his foot on the gas. I end up putting my face into the bulletproof glass. Now, more than ever, we need to help each other. And with only a $50 donation, you can help get one warrior the mental health services that heal the mind, body, and soul. 
I was not dealing with pain medication and I was not dealing with everything right. And I need help. I need to talk to someone about how to fix my life. 18 minutes after I called Wounded Warrior Project, they had a person on the line calling me back. That's the power of just a $50 donation to Wounded Warrior Project. You help a veteran get through his worst day. So give what you can today at DonateToWarriors.org. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And uh, for yet another segment on this show, we're going to talk politics. Because there was a little bit of an election this week. And the details are probably still not sorted out. Full disclosure, I'm recording this middle to late week and you're hearing it on the weekend. So some of what we discuss, uh, you know, maybe old news by the time you hear it. But I thought it was worthy to reach out across the aisle now to the Republican side of the ticket and hear about a group that backs Republican veteran candidates, concerned veterans for America. And uh, Russ Stewart-Stein, welcome to the show. Hey, Phil. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, as you and I speak, we still don't know who the president is going to be, and we can only trust they're going to sort that out the best way they know how, and I'm not even going to try to get into those waters, because that's muddy, and I don't even understand how it all works. Well, it, it obviously is a very uh, unique, historic election. A lot of strange things happen. And just, if you don't mind, just real quickly, uh, Concerned Veterans for America, um, uh, Concerned Ver- Americas for Action, um, it's not a partisan organization. We don't just back Republicans. We actually endorse policy champions. It gives us the unique ability to um, pursue champions regardless of what party they're in. Um, it does tend that more Republicans tend to agree with them than Democrats, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, uh, yeah, and thank you for pointing that out, because sometimes I do just tend to look at the, you know, the way the issues roll out, and I do tend to see some candidates uh, that have worked with you in the past that, that of course, were fine Republicans. All right, so let's talk a yes, little sir. bit about some of the candidates that you observed this week. Give me one example of a race that you're proud to announce that a candidate that you backed won, and a little bit about their veteran background. Sure. Um, that, that would be uh, Senator John Cornyn here in Texas. That's where uh, I live. Uh, it's how I started, and in, in Concerned Veterans for America was uh, from the Texas chapter. So we're just really pleased with him being a policy champion on giving veterans health care choice uh, through the VA Mission Act, uh, fighting for that. As you know, a lot of veterans who uh, received their health care uh, from the Veterans Hospital Administration weren't able to get their care on time, or they had to travel great distances. I live in West Texas. You know, we had veterans who were traveling up to eight hours away uh, to go get the health care that they could get right around the corner. And uh, he laid a lot of political capital on the line to fight for that. Um, a lot of folks said that's going to be impossible. You can't pass such a law. And uh, in 2017, we got accountability uh, from NBA accountability. And then in 2018, the VA Mission Act. And there were several champions uh, that helped lead that, but John Cornyn was uh, right at the top. And so uh, veterans across the state of Texas really gave him uh, a lot of their love and passion and and were grateful for that uh, political risk that he took and uh, led to a lot of grassroots effort. Uh, what about those that say, though, that's a slippery slope, that uh, some are intended on dismantling the VA and trying to privatize it all. Uh, that wasn't his position with this take on the Mission Act, was it? No, no not at all. In fact, that was uh, probably one of the leading charges or allegations 
uh, made when we were trying to uh, get that law passed with his help. And in fact, what has happened, uh, whenever government bureaucracies face competition, they tend to get better. And so what we've seen is VA facilities not only remain, but opening up more local clinics, being responsive to the local needs uh, in a way that is more customer service oriented. So the very health care that veterans need, we are about increasing options, not about dismantling the VA or privatizing it. All right, a lot of races to choose from, a lot of results still kind of up in the air, but are there other races that you can speak to of candidates that are champions for veterans uh, that were a success this season? Yeah, we were real excited. Uh, there's uh, two Senate races. Uh, Tom Tillis is likely to win. That race should be very close. He's um, got a good lead. It looks like all indications that he will uh, win uh, there in North Carolina. And then Senator Steve Daines up in Montana, both of them, of course, were healthcare champions uh, with VA Mission Act and reform, and very popular programs in their respective states as well. And then uh, congressional candidate uh, Chip Roy uh, in uh, Texas House, he also was a champion of uh, ending endless wars, which is which is really very exciting to us because we saw that as one of the issues that brought left and right together in this country libertarians, conservatives, liberals, majority of veterans now feel like we've been there 19 years in Afghanistan. It's time to look at doing that differently than we have before. And uh, so it was really exciting for somebody to take a lead on that, like Chip did down in uh, down in Texas, and to be rewarded at the ballot box for his effort. And honestly, there's opposition to changing uh, or withdrawing from Afghanistan in both parties. I know revisions to that AUMF uh, are something that uh, the world does want to discuss because uh, it has been the longest war we've ever fought. I was going to say, my son was uh, in boot camp during 9-11, and his son, my grandson, is 16 years old. And it is it is just overwhelming to consider the fact that in two years, my grandson can be fighting in the same war that my son's been serving in for the last 19 years. And we have never in the history of our country been through anything like that. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a sobering thought, but those real-life human stories are hundreds of thousands across the country, and it's beginning to really start to take front and center in part of our foreign policy discussions on both sides of the aisle. And regardless of who ends up being president, it's going to be a, main, a major issue come 2021. Let's look ahead together now at 2021, and there's another issue that I do see some real bipartisan support on. And you mentioned Senator Tillis earlier from yes. the great state of North Carolina. Uh, he put forth a piece of legislation to address an issue that is killing veterans every single day almost. And that's that toxic exposures, basically forcing the VA's hand to not only treat the healthcare conditions that are, you know, the cancers that are caused by these exposures to toxins and combat zones and other places, but also to reward them with benefits. And Senator Tillis authored the TEAM Act. And at the same time, there's another bill called the Presumptive uh, Benefits for Warfighters Act. Do you see a time this next year where the candidates that are backed by CVA will get together with the candidates that are, say, backed by my previous guest at Vote Vets? and work together to maybe marry these two bills so that we can get something across the finish line that will keep and ensure vets don't have to beg 
for benefits and healthcare services from the VA? Man, that is a, that is a great question. Um, I mean, I wish I had a crystal ball and, and could look forward and see if we could get that kind of unity uh, on a topic that big. And so that's, that's yet to be seen, uh, obviously. Um, one of the things that we're convinced of is whatever, whatever we get to on treating things that cause disabilities, you know, be it toxic, be it traditional war injuries or whatever, that the best solutions for those always arrive from having as many options as possible, which is why we're extremely excited about the idea of having a true choice bill to, to have the most amount of options. To be able to get together and to study, um, you know, the topic you brought up and to have the ability for folks to come together across party aisles, I'd say there's a lot of work to do to make that happen. I, I don't want to say yes or no that that's possible because I don't know, uh, but nothing's impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I certainly appreciate that. And you know what I'm going to propose you and I do? We just stay in touch. And I foresee a beer summit. Some way, somehow. Ooh, you got my attention now. Maybe via Zoom. Maybe. I don't know how we pull this off, man. But I'm just thinking in the year to come, we've got great veterans and great veteran champions. Let's see if we can get maybe Senator Tillis together with Senator Gillibrand, you and I, uh, vote vets, and we all raise a good glass of something that's nice and have a conversation about this. Because I know that at the end of the day, we are all vets. And I know that the champions that we just spoke of are supporting our veterans. What do you say? They deserve our very best. And, yeah, I mean, you, oh, you, had, you had me a beer. So, yeah, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Phil, that sounds terrific. Yes, sir. And from a man named Russ Dewar Stein, I would expect nothing else. <laughs> After all, Stein sounds like beer anyway. Awesome, man. Well, hey, appreciate everything that you've uh, shared with us about the candidates that were backed by Concerned Veterans for America. And uh, just look forward to chatting about this real soon. Thank you, Phil, so much. Now stick around and we'll hear the incredible story of a veteran I got to know whose nickname is Big Sarge. It's the perfect medicine for a week that's given us high anxiety. And it's proof that even when we think all hope is lost, veterans have a friend in Wounded Warrior Project. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now some people have stories that you'll remember forever. And for me, our next guest is one of them. William Big Sarge Hansen is a Marine Corps vet whose NFL size and even bigger personality makes you comfortable knowing he's always got your back and can help you out when things get rough. As a young Marine, he saw some action during Desert Storm, but eventually returned home and settled into a comfortable life as a school teacher and a dad. But then after 9-11, like so many great veterans, he felt the call to serve again. And this is where our story and his nickname starts. Interesting story how I got my nickname, Big Sarge, is I walked back into the recruiter's office. Now, you got to remember, it had been good six to eight years since I had been in Marine Corps shape, and I had, I had the, the proverbial dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it, brother. I can see it, yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm a dad already, and so uh, I'm in my late 30s, and I walk in there, and the Marine Corps goes, Big Sarge, love your service, love what you got to do, but we really don't need an old guy like you to come back. Thank you for thinking about us. 
and uh, enjoy your time. We're looking for young guys. If you know any young guys, send them our way. And uh, so as I'm walking out, the uh, recruiter for the National Guard says, hey, have you ever thought about joining the dark side? <laughs> so pretty much I walked in, raised my right hand, and uh, signed up with the guard and was within three months, I, or two months, excuse me, I was helping with the Sacramento and the San Francisco airport security. Remember when they had the National Guard was in airport security? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like many guard duty soldiers, his number would eventually get called. I did a tour in Iraq and did convoy security. And after that, I did a tour in Egypt, and which was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> I hate to think, you know, going on a deployment being fun. It was fun. And then the last tour was the tour in Iraq, in which I got hurt. But as Big Sarge would quickly find out, he wasn't the only one hurting on this deployment. Well, it, well in the second deployment, what happened was I got a phone call in, right around Christmas time from my wife. And Lisa said, the cancer's back. So Lisa had been fighting cancer uh, on her bone marrow and just in her blood. And I could go through every single little detail place that she had, but she's had, she had had cancer uh, five times before I left on this last appointment. Mm. And she goes, the cancer's back. And they said, the doctor says he could slow it down, but it's going to be fatal. And I was like, it, it stunned me at that time. And part of me, you know, and this is where you look at mental trauma and you look at who you are as a person comes into play. And I said, do you want me to do a red cross? And she goes, no, it's just the beginning stages. I've got chemo. I have my family. I have friends. I've got the girls. I'm going to be okay. So, you know, part of you wants to, you know, hey, I'm, get, I'm coming home. But the other part at that time was I didn't know if I could live with myself if I left. You know, it's, and it, you're, you're fighting a, a battle inside. Mm-hmm. You know, part of, part of the battle was they've said this before. And I'm not trying to, I'm not downplaying the doctors, but the doctors had said, the first time that she had got cancer is she's going to pass away from this. She's only got a year to live. And that was four years before. And she was fine. She recovered and she was okay. So I couldn't see leaving my men in the middle of a combat situation. And, and I don't mean, this going to sound weird, but I couldn't see myself wimping out. You're fighting two different battles. The emotional battle mm-hmm. to be a supportive husband and to be there for your family, which comes first. And then there is the family that you're around every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's your men. Talk to me about uh, what happened next. Early January of 2009, we, uh, my second tour in Iraq was, we were doing convoy security for a bunch of the, you know, getting supplies to t- different towns, uh, to different military bases. We were making sure that they had, you know, their beans, bullets, and band-aids. And we were doing the, the security force 
explore all these different convoys. We're going to be basically on the road for 48 hours. We're taking a group to a base, you know, maybe waiting an hour or two to three to four, grabbing a bite to eat, grabbing some uh, rippets and some rock stars or coffee or whatever your drink of choice is, and <laughs> getting back on the road and coming back. Near the end of that 48 hour, um, we're coming really close to the base, and there was an explosion. Now, when you have an explosion, you're, you're, you're kind of trained to drive straight, but we were tired. Everybody in our vehicle was tired. And my driver, it kind of shook him up. And so what he did was, we were going about 55 miles an hour. He hit his foot on the gas, made a turn, and crashed into the Jersey barrier, which is, you know, those concrete walls that are on the side of the road. Oh yeah. I end up putting my face into the bulletproof glass and snapping back and hitting the back of my head against the, uh, the armor plating, the, you know, the metal that was behind there. And I don't remember much of what, anything that happened after that for about 48 to 72 hours. Everyone says that I was quite mobile. Everyone says I was talking kind of weird and talking garbly on the radio. But I turned in my weapon. I got everything that I needed to do. I don't remember any of it. And that moment right there, in what we would call today a traumatic brain injury, was the beginning of a slippery slope that included medication in a combat zone that would eventually rule his life. Everybody, and I don't mean this, and I'm not saying this negative to anybody, Everybody was taking pills, especially in a guard unit. Yeah. The average age was in the 30s. These are all guys who had already done their active duty time, and now they're, they're serving out and helping their country, you know. So people, people twist ankles. People twist knees. People, people get hurt. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to go to my superiors and, and – you know, because they're going to they're gonna say, I said, yeah, I've got a, I've got a headache. And they're going to like, uh, so does Sergeant Johnson and so does uh, Sergeant Hutchison. And, you know, I, you know that's, that's what happened. It wasn't until afterwards when uh, we were out processing that they finally were, you know, they, they finally took x-rays and they finally took an MRI. And they're like, oh, crap. You've got broken bones in your neck. Oh, you've got fractures in your spine. Oh, you had a brain bleed. That didn't happen until after I got home. Man, we have just gone through, man, the 2000s were an ugly, ugly ass era for that. I mm -hmm. hope they are learning. It has really sentenced a lot of our guys, a lot of our men and women to suffer some serious, serious problems. And kind of that's where I want to pick up with you now. Um, we out-process. I heard, yeah, the injuries revealed on your out-processing. Tell me about coming home. Tell me about getting back to a new form of life. And tell me how you didn't exactly dive back into being the best dad. I came home from country with uh, three big bottles of painkillers that I had in the bottom of my rucksack. And... I was not dealing with the pain medication and I was not dealing with everything right. I had built up an anger inside of me and I was, didn't know exactly how to lash out. Hmm. Cause I was like, wait, everything just to get something checked on. I'm having to jump through five different hoops just to get the VA 
to look at something. All right, hey, what about my knee? What about my shoulder? Just to get that done, it was every single hoop. And then when you feel like there's nothing there, then I started taking more painkillers. And I, I fell into my couch. Now when we come back, we'll hear about the stunning moment that helped him kick the combat cocktail and how a new partnership would help him get back to right. The veteran stories we hear make us proud to be Americans. We took over Bagnet International Airport. But the stories we don't reflect the wounds that Wounded Warrior Project is there to heal. I remember turning my head and out of the corner of my eye I see this huge flash. I remember this guy's body smoking. All of these things began to come back. Now, more than ever, we need to help each other. And with only a $50 donation, you can help get one warrior the mental health services that heal the mind, body, and soul. I went on something called Project Odyssey at a zip lining resort. I don't do heights. That's why I was a police officer and not a fireman. <laughs> so when we get there, you know, we're all strangers. Um, but when we left, we were brothers. That's the power of just a $50 donation to Wounded Warrior Project. It's like therapy for me to be able to talk about it. So give what you can today at DonateToWarriors.org. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran and journalist for ConnectingVets.com, Phil Briggs. Now we'll return to the story of William Big Sarge Hansen. After his second deployment to Iraq with his National Guard unit, Big Sarge endured the aches and pains associated with combat like so many other soldiers. An explosion and subsequent crash in an armored vehicle resulted in an undiagnosed head trauma. And as with many older soldiers, his aches and pains were treated with painkillers and a dangerous mixture of other medicines that many combat vets have come to call the combat cocktail. But after returning home, he sunk into a phase of his life that included hours on the couch, depression, and strained relationships at home. What happened next was the moment that pushed him to the edge. And I started pushing everybody in my life away. I pushed my work away. Uh, at that time, I was working in education. I pushed that away. I asked for a recess, uh, uh, an excuse absence for a while so I could deal with this. Uh, I pushed uh, my family and friends away. I would sit around and maybe text a couple people, and that would be about it during the day while I sat down and I started eating. You know, what happens if you sit down watching TV, you're going to start eating. And are you going to, are we talking about really good sizzling steak or are we talking about burgers, fries, uh, or some, a bunch of cake, a bunch of uh, chocolate chip cookie dough? something that is not exactly going to be the most healthy for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I started gaining weight. And then I started looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, okay, you're the guy who, you know, you want to do all this sort of stuff, yet you look at yourself now. You've gained so much weight. And one night, you know, I, I started pushing people out of my life. And I got to the point where I, I think I pushed everybody out of my life except for my daughters and my wife. And one night I'm downstairs and uh, my daughter, Amanda, 
did something, said something. To this day, I don't totally remember exactly everything. And I screamed at the top of my lungs at her and yelled at her. And she did something amazing. She didn't run away. She didn't scream back at me. She didn't cry. She just looked at me. And then she slowly walked to me. And I'm, I'm huffing and heaving. And I start crying. Because she reaches up and she puts her hand on my face and said, Dad, what's the matter? You're not you. My heart broke into a million pieces. I'm like, what am I doing? Because this is what I want to be. I want to be daddy to my girls. No matter what. And ask for forgiveness. And I said, okay, I, I, this is what I got to do. I made my mind up. I'm going to be dad to my daughters again. So on that day, Big Sarge made the commitment to reach out and get some help. And it's a phone call that he received not shortly thereafter that would change his life. I went on the Google, looked up VSOs, and I started calling them. Hey, I'm a veteran, hurt, I need help, I need to talk to someone about how to fix my life. This is my number. And then I made 15 calls. 18 minutes after I called Wounded Warrior Project, they had a person on the line calling me back. And I spent time talking to the counselor. Uh, and during that time, the counselor says, you know what, there's something going on called in Phoenix called the Soldier Ride. And I'm like, cool, what is it? And they said, well, it's a bike ride. Oh, she said, oh it's cool. So I'm riding a bike. Not a problem. I, I rode a bike before. <laughs> right. you know, People, people who haven't ridden the bike in a long time forget about the saddle source. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to go to the soldier ride, and I'm on there. And while I'm there, I'm meeting several people who are, to this day, some of my closest friends. We're talking, and one of the guys says, "Hey, have you? Has anybody ever done the tough mutter?" And I'm like, "What is that?" And they describe it, oh, so you're doing obstacles, you're jumping in an ice pan, you got electricity, you know, it's uh, 10 miles, and it's a way to test and see how tough you are. And I'm like, that sounds insane and crazy. You know what? Sign me up. So I looked online for the next one that was going on, and it was a month from now in Tahoe. So I go and I go do what I think is going to be for a month, the workouts, and I'm on the elliptical. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Right. I'm on the elliptical. I'm doing some dumbbell weights. You know, I don't know how to work my body yet for for a Tough mother. I just kind of know I got to be able to move. So it be, the Tough mother is usually finished by people in two and a half to three hours. For me, this was a, a me against me moment where Either the old me, the guy who had gone to war, the guy who had fought with honor, was going to win, or the new me, the guy who was 
taking pain medications, eating chocolate chip ice cream for breakfast type of guy, or he's going to win. And it ended up taking me six and a half hours to finish, but I finished. And there wasn't, it became a, like I said, it was one of those mental fights. But slowly and surely, William Hansen would continue his fight. With the help of his new friends and partnership with Wounded Warrior Project, Big Sarge would go on to do big things. He would lose a ton of weight, get in shape, become a widely respected powerlifter, and a national ambassador for Wounded Warrior Project. And through his journey, they would help him not only physically, but also professionally, as they would help him get a job with Lifetime Fitness where he's now one of the nationally accredited and lead CrossFit trainers in the country. We're working out together, and at the end, we would talk about life. So it was not just healing our bodies, but we were healing our, our minds, we're healing our souls. Because you and I both know, and every single other veteran knows, you get a bunch of guys standing around, they're not going to, you know, we're not going to sit around on a bunch of uh, uh, metal chairs and just talk. That's just not our nature. But you start doing power things together, and you start talking a little bit smack at each other. Then something's <laughs> going to slip out like, oh, I'm having a problem with my kid. Oh, I'm having a problem with my wife. Oh, man, I keep having these nightmares. How am I supposed to get through, through this? What do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? How have you guys worked through this? And it became a ministry in which we were able to help other veterans not just heal physically, but also heal mentally and emotionally and spiritually. If you donate to Wounded Warrior Project, you're going to be helping veterans like myself, and you're going to help them get through probably their worst day. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. A brighter future, a brilliant past. Bill Hansen, man, I can't thank you so much for sharing your story, buddy. Thank you, sir. Now, if you want to be the difference maker in a veteran's life, Go to DonateToWarriors.org. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and if you want another story of inspiration, join me again here next week for another episode of CBS Eye on Veterans. This Veterans Day, join UMGC in thanking those who have served our country. Share your message of thanks by using the hashtag ThanksVets and read others at UMGC.edu slash ThanksVets. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.